Hi, this is Reese Roper, and you're listening to our newest podcast ever. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew and John, and we love this podcast because it's about us. Welcome to Magnified Pod, the second season, our newest podcast ever. And when I go out, I play. What's that? We, I can't go out? I can't play in the streets? Okay, okay, all right. Uh, I'm Andrew. I'm John. And uh, this is our podcast. That was good. That was good stuff. Uh, and by good stuff, you mean super fucking sad and really depressing. And yeah. this is our new reality. <laughs> but, you know. But, hey, welcome to- <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not sad. You know, you know what? I, uh, I, need to, I need to make a confession. So uh-huh. we've been having these dude calls with me and my brother and some, you have joined on some and mm-hmm. having these Zoom calls. And I've been kind of coming to the realization that as a four on the inning, <laughs> I just, I, I just always go way take dark. take it to Bummertown, yeah. <laughs> I take the express train to Bummertown <laughs> way too quickly. You're like, hey, everybody, cram on board this train. We are going to Bummersville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last stop. Just kidding. There are no stops. <laughs> this thing goes on forever. This, this thing goes on. It doesn't stop until we're all dead. Um, uh, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> this this oh, is a very gosh. special episode. This is a very special episode. Very uh, special guest. Very special guest. I'm just going to repeat everything you say. <laughs> um, my kids are playing. My kids are playing. Copy with each copy, other right copy now. Copy with each other right now. And it makes me want to <laughs> murder them and you. No. Um, <laughs> Anyway, let's, uh, so let's, so far, bummer. This <laughs> is cool. It on murdering our families in Bummersville, and let's talk about the fact that Leonor Ortega Till is on today's pod. Woo! She is the best, and yeah. we have a great conversation. So yeah, let's the 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 darkness that we brought to this intro <laughs> will be it will be lightened up by yes, yes, her by presence. her her presence and her charm and. Yes. Uh, and her stories and uh, her j- just general demeanor. So yeah, she, so- she briefly uh, derails the train from Bummersville to to Nice Town for a while, and uh, yeah. I feel like I could have done better than Nice Town, but you know. Anyway, <laughs> anywho, what's um, uh, what's going on? Let's you know, John. There are there are things that are taking us you know all the way to Bummers Bummer Town, but. Yeah. Let's let's talk about some things that are bringing us joy right now because yes. uh, my uh-huh. uh, hashtag Doug, my therapist, he's um, I'm just going to get that trending. He, <laughs> one of the things that we talked about this week that is important for me to remember is about adjusting expectations. Mm-hmm. And while in a normal reality, talking about lowering your expectations in itself sounds like a bummer sure but in this reality it's kind of what we need for our mental health right now because they're not going to be i'm not going to wake up in the morning doing a bunch of cartwheels and like shredding guitar about how amazing life is i'm i need to take a win when i can get a win and if it's something that's just neutral i got to find joy in the neutral yeah so but there are still things that can bring joy. So what what right now is bringing you some joy? 
Yeah. I mean, we mainly music stuff, which makes sense. Um, we talked about heard how, of heard of music. <laughs> yeah, heard of music. Uh, the new Suicide Machines record is out. Um, yes. First time in a long time that they've put one out. It's really, I mean, I guess it's really only Jay Navarro who's still from the original lineup. Um, although the, the drummer has been there since like the 90s at least. Anyway, but uh, you know, it still it still sounds like the Suicide Machines. It it yeah. rules. Um, this record, we both love it. I have really enjoyed hearing that old school Suicide Machines sound, but for this moment, and you reference it uh, in our conversation with Leonor in a bit, but I feel like it's a perfect example of kind of this sound of a band that like shaped me growing up that came back for this particular moment and had something to say that made me uh, feel better. So they are addressing things <laughs> that um, are they're angry about, but yeah. there's yeah. a uh, release in that and a, just a joy in hearing their sound. So that's been, that's been bringing me joy. Um, there's also a few apps that I've really <laughs> been <laughs> digging. Yeah. Uh, one is uh, so Moog or Moog, the keyboard company, um, making making the dopest synths uh, for decades, released uh, their app, which is normally uh, paid but is free right now, and it's super fun to come up with um, all kinds of cool synthy sounds on there. It's very easy to use. It's I highly recommend it if you've had a stressful day of quarantining and need to unwind a bit. Uh, John, Cor- John and I are starting our synth pop band very oh, soon. Don't even joke about it because <laughs> I want to do it. Um, let's I, let's start let's start it, man. I uh, you and I both have the musical proclivities, and we have the time. <laughs> it's well, yeah. Sometimes um, I yeah, and then uh, Korg, uh, kind of the other big synth uh, company, also has an app that normally costs money. That right now is free. It's easy way to make beats and uh, make cool sounds. And then this other one, Voicey. Um, which lets you, um, it, it does all kinds of effects to your vocals and they have pre-recorded beats that you add stuff to and it's super fun for just messing around on for a while. Um, so between all those apps, we could definitely form a synthy group uh, yep. together. 100%. Um, um, <clears throat> so I want to I get back to Voicey, but I feel like the reference point to what we will hear from you <laughs> comes, it stems from, uh, so the way I write music is through fits of inspiration. Uh-huh. And what have I been inspired by in quarantine, if not uh, drinking beer yes. and buying a 30, ca- 30 pack of Ham's beer? <laughs> What's what's hams? You say you're not from Minnesota and you have not had the crispy, delicious, refreshing mm. taste of a hams. Pretty well, good. you need to get your shit together because <laughs> you need to get some hams in your life. So, hams is a beer that you can uh, slam. You, you can slam. So I I. <laughs> So basically, I was I was uh, on speaking of apps that I like Marco Polo, and um, I was Marco Poloing with Magpod listener Mickey, and and I was talking about the hams I was drinking, and I said I was gonna slam <laughs> slam a hams, 
Uh. And I, and, but I also was like, that sort of sounds weirdly sexual, <laughs> but in a vague way, uh-huh. like, like, <laughs> so, um, yeah. and then she made some comment about like, uh, like, I don't know, basically I could go back and scroll through all the, all the polos, but basically it came up that I needed to write a song that a song of the summer <laughs> about slamming hams. And, Boy, did you? And, and that is exactly what I did. I wrote in a, I wrote a very aggressive rap song uh, <laughs> about slamming hams that turned very political at one point. Uh, so, oh boy, should we hear it? I th- should we hear it? <laughs> I we mean, play- <laughs> we might as well. Oh shit! Ooh. Ooh. Pants. Pants down, hands out. Let's go. Slam your hams. You know, the word genius gets thrown around a lot. <laughs> but I truly think <laughs> you you earned it tonight. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I feel like if the clubs were open, it would be it would be bumping in them. Um, I, I think I need to add I think I need to add another verse where I'm like just <laughs> bus tossing high life and like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and like make a lobe light and all that right like a diss track on all the other <laughs> a diss track on, adj- on adjunct loggers <laughs> <laughs> oh man well done sir well thank done. you well john you you did not <laughs> i mean i was so you, inspired you did not ignore the call no no i felt that you know kind of a club remix a little more sparse was was needed so yeah let's less less uh less banger and more <laughs> it's kind of uh, reflective more, more <laughs> was, um yeah you you kind of got like a, a little bit of a post malone thing going yeah. on here Just i got little... hams tattooed on my forehead <laughs> yep, after exactly. i dropped this one so yeah <laughs> Everybody in the club drink a ham spear. Everybody in here drink a hams. Everyone in the club drink a ham spear. Cause that's what we're drinking tonight. 
That's uh, that's where the voice the app cut me off, and I really felt like I was getting to a zone, but that's fine. Yeah, that's right. That's bullshit. Uh, but, anyway. Yeah, so we got um, Bon Iver kind of like... Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, my ooh, later, later Bon Iver. Yes, not yes. A, not, not so much for Emma. Not so um, much. Yeah, so in conclusion, we're going to send these to Hams and <laughs> uh, hope for the best. Yeah. We, I would, if, if Hams wants to sponsor an yes. episode or the it's podcast happen. we're uh, fully posting these and tagging hams i mean that's happening <laughs> so. un- yeah they i don't know i don't know what their politics are but you know <laughs> their their instagram well sure i mean their instagram seems pretty irreverent though so no, well no there's that's a that's a i found the real- parody account oh okay not yeah. not so political over there <laughs> not not so political it, it seems like for a, an account that's like uh uh, you know, just a beer company. They they seem rather family friendly. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe this isn't the way to go. But we could get that parody account to to play them probably. So <laughs> that's yeah. The uh, they have a, a picture of a dog sitting and like on cases of hams. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Oh man. Got- so that's what's bringing us joy right now. <laughs> yep. Oh oh, got empty hams cans. Show us your ham cycling and tag us in posts. Perfect. Ham's home bowling. There you go. I mean, I, I guess they are encouraging people to just hold on to all their empties. <laughs> yeah, well, you got a lot of cans if you're buying those thirty packs. So. Well, I just, I just did uh, took out all my recycling today. Damn it! Oh man, no more bowling. Man, no more bowling. I guess I'm just gonna have to drink the, you know, the other twenty beers <laughs> of theirs that I, <laughs> I have left. Oh well. Oh well. Um. Another thing. Well, wait. Did you get to share things that were bringing you joy? Um, just sort of, just that. <laughs> okay. I mean, that brought me immense uh, amounts of joy. So um, I hope. Oh it you well. Some. Yeah, we have listeners from around the globe. Yes. Um, I, I am playing Animal Crossing. Hey. If anybody wants to come to my island, or mm. if you want me, if you want some visitors, you know, we're all sad and lonely right now <laughs> so let my let my little dude who wears a mag pod shirt with yes. a, with a oh, little man. with a little heart for the o please take a screenshot of that and post that as well <laughs> will do i'll do just that um there are a couple of things that we wanted to promote as well yes um so we will be talking with leonor shortly um, I know that's why you're all here. If you haven't skipped this already, <laughs> um, I assume they're here for the Hams parody songs, and then Leonor's a bonus. But yeah, that's uh, obviously. But um, so Leonor's husband Stephen Till has in Denver a print shop called a Small Print Shop, and um, they have released some T-shirts that uh you can pre-order right now there's one that they've been promoting um it's a uh shirt that says we are all in this together and it's the earth shaped like a heart and it kind of has like a i don't know like sort of like an earth day kind of vibe 
going yeah. to it. That's cool. Um, and I pre-ordered that. But then there's yes. also this other one that <laughs> is like, it's like an old school kind of like pizza shop kind yeah. of looking shirt. And uh, it has a mustachioed chef holding a pie on a pizza peel. And I very much also want to uh, <laughs> snag that one because it looks pretty dope. Yeah, you definitely should. Um, yeah, if you if you have or know of a, a business that doesn't have a platform for selling shirts online right now, they'll set up a free online shop for you and take pre-orders and ship them out to customers. So that is a good thing to do right now, supporting artists um, where we can. We also want to mention uh, John Nissen, creator of the Poconacha Punk, a, a character we all know and love. And um, he's got some, some cool uh, design stuff that he posts regularly on his Instagram, at uh, john.nissen.3. Um, and he's also got uh, the link in his bio on his Instagram there is to his link tree, which is like a, a web platform where people are using to, to post to their work. But uh, So it's linktree slash john.nissen.3. And linktree is linktr.ee. Um, but over there, he's got a lot of cool t-shirts too. A lot of them are Poconacha Punk adjacent. Um, and uh, he was telling me that uh, a lot of his um, financial support comes from those t-shirt sales. So even picking up one can make a difference. And he was saying, you know, a lot of the folks in his family are freelancers and they're all kind of hurting right now. So support John Nissen, support a small print shop, support um, local artists and businesses where you can right now. Yes, Absolutely. Um, also want to briefly shout out our boy, Mike Carrera. Yeah. You might've heard of him. <laughs> um, MXPX front man, uh, all around, uh, sexy dude, Mike Carrera. That's true. Yep. It's his uh, official bio. <laughs> official bio. Mike has just dropped a new album titled moments like these Texas. It's an, an acoustic show. 10 songs you can get it streaming you can download it you can go to the mxpx merch arsenal and at the time of recording there are still some of the vinyl left the you can get there some different variants you should go if yeah. you want it you should you should have gotten it already because who knows where when it's going to be what's going to be at by the time you and we it. should we should say the vinyl looks dope and it looks dope because it was produced by our producer, Jason. Yeah, Jason from Unoriginal Vinyl uh, produced these uh, the these vinyl uh, variants and the packaging, and it looks dope. Mike looks it's amazing. Really cool. yeah. The the colors of the the red haze and the half and half kind of. What would you say? This is sort of like a red and yellow kind yeah. of, and one of them's like another kind of like a bursty kind of looking. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah, we should also say uh, this album does feature "Son of a Gun," yep. a Magpod fave. Uh, it sounds great. I want to tumble down reunion now. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a, it's a really cool uh, collection of songs. So check that out. Check it out. We put out some the voicemails call. over here. <laughs> we, oh, we do. We got some reviews over here. <laughs> yeah, we put out we put out the call. We did several weeks ago. Yes. and we got some we got some love. It's true. Yes, we've been telling folks, um, you know, we've been doing this pod uh, close to two years now. 
we've got like what I would say works out to about 90% five star ratings on Apple podcasts and uh, two one star reviews <laughs> that make the whole thing a 4.5 star reviewed podcast overall. So give me them stars, hit us with those five stars, but also hit us with your uh, cool, funny reviews and we'll read them in the pod and Riker, our latest Patreon punk, Go to patreon.com slash magnifiedpod posted uh, a cool review that we can read now. Do you want to read it? Uh, I don't have it open, so I will read I, it. <laughs> I read I read Mickey's last time, so that's true. I'll I'll channel I'll channel my my positive raker voice for this. Uh, there you go. Exactly. All the air horns for Riker. Welcome to Magpod. <laughs> Welcome to Magpod Nation. What can I say? This podcast is incredible. If you're an MXPX or Five Iron fan, you need to listen to this. Thank you, Riker. <laughs> if you have a nice or funny or silly thing to say, drop that review and we will read it on the pod. Yep. Please do that. It's uh, if if only for our egos. <laughs> yes. Yeah, stroke them, please. <laughs> to the ego- <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll move on. I can't. I uh, so we we do have we do have some uh some voicemails. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to just quickly uh call out. So if you you might remember, um, Danny Leary on a previous episode was talking about my how I about my operation Ivy claim that I said, I don't know what Scott punk would be without him and right. And whatnot. And he was talking about fishbone and Boston's or whatever. Yeah. Um, and something that Jason had uh, said to me, was said to us in a, in a text that he said, fishbone did not start third wave ska. They started funk punk. Without them, no chili peppers or faith no more. Not boss tones, a real big fish. Interesting. So that's an interesting take that maybe that it's not an analogous sort of like uh, fishbone to, uh, you know, less than Jake as maybe, right. you know, it was Op Ivy to uh, sure. MU330 or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? But um, I thought that was a. Uh, Another another take in the ever evolving drama of my my op <laughs> ivy tab my op yes. ivy tattoo. Yeah, well, I, I never I never dreamed the hot takes that could come from it, but I, I'm here for it. I'm I'm interested in this uh, discussion that's unfolding. Mm, yes, <laughs> not, we, we not, will... not a round of applause for that one. <laughs> uh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, say say that again. Uh, I've been interested in the discussion around it. Thank you. Now I feel properly celebrated. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of Jason, we have a little bit more, we have some more Jason. He has some nostalgia that he's going to share because you were sharing a little bit of your nostalgia from Mm. uh, your college days, summer college days. (laughs) Yes. Hi guys, I was listening to your End Is Here podcast part two. This is Jason in Denver, and I couldn't help but uh, get a little bit sweetly nostalgic about my time at the CSL Plasma uh, <laughs> bank that uh, I, I spent a lot of hours in in college as one of my 
four jobs that I kept uh, full time. <laughs> call that a job because uh, it really was uh, a lot of endurance tests. I also in college worked at a blockbuster video. Nice. I uh, had a television show that I was on work stipend uh, or work study to produce that would interview bands and do sketch comedy that I directed That's... and produced. So what is that? So plasma blockbuster video <laughs> uh, work study. And then I was an RA and a hall director full time in the dorms uh, for the entirety of my college career. I didn't have any money, so this was the only way I could scrape together enough to, to stay in school apart from student loans. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I do remember that was quite a magnificent time. The, the Also, the interesting thing is uh, when I really got serious about doing vinyl collecting, I went back to, in my late 20s, uh, the CSL and the biomass of the world and uh, – sort of continued my tenure and my career as a plasma donator and every week <laughs> would go twice a week and that would give me about $80 a week to go buy records with for yeah. for basically uh, the cost of my human decency which isn't really that bad <laughs> when you think about how great oh, well, so that's my story I I feel seen I <laughs> resonate deeply. Uh, also, we're definitely going to have to hear more about that work study, Jason. Like, I, I was sketch comedy and interviewing bands. I don't believe we've we've discussed this, so we'll have no, to get into that. We have to we have to have another just Jason. Yeah. Uh, ep. You know, we've we've talked since very early on when we first interviewed him. Uh-huh. We need. It's like we need to get together in person. But now we're all three of us <laughs> at different states. Just yeah. to. Logist- logistics nightmare it's but, weird because there's nothing going on that would make that a necessity either the fact that we could get together digitally right now okay. this joke is not good <laughs> let's move on to another voicemail all right we have we have another one from jason hello this is uh jason in colorado i wanted to compliment you on your episode about the end is here live show really enjoyed that one uh, especially John's vote for the medley as his favorite song on the album. Hey. I think that's fair game. One <laughs> thing you. I wanted to uh, note for you fans as uh, a little Easter egg was that during the live show, they actually included another cover song in the middle of their medley called Goodbye to You by the band Scandal uh, hmm. from the 80s, Patti Smith. And it didn't get cleared in licensing for the live album's release. However, you can find it on the Rise and Fall of Five Iron Frenzy live show bonus disc, uh, complete concert of that last show. It's at about one hour, 15 minutes, and 20 seconds into the DVD coaster, uh, and you can listen to them play a rather fast, not super coordinated version of Goodbye to You. I just thought that was some interesting trivia of something for fans who were at the show who might have thought, hey, didn't they play another cover song? Uh, yes, they did. And did it make it onto the final live version of the album? No, it did not. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. It's <laughs> the best way. Well, if you're not going to end it with uh, Magpad for Life, just just go. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, that was really interesting, though. I I can't remember if I ever knew that. If I did, I'd forgotten it. But that I would I would like to hear that. It seems possible. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we will discuss yes rise and fall eventually. Eventually, um, yes. 
I don't know. John, have you ended up getting your copy yet? I haven't. I've seen bits and pieces here and there, but I really, you know, and there's been several things that have come up on the pod that they're like, they got into this in Rise and Fall, guys. <laughs> and even when we were talking to Leonardo, I was like, I bet this is something that's in the documentary. But yes, I will, I will actually purchase a copy and <laughs> watch it fully, and then we will discuss it. What else uh, we got? <laughs> we got some, uh, we got some Ryan Cole action. Hey. Uh, he has some great thoughts on our Brave Saint Saturn. Uh, Hey guys, this is Ryan Cole. Uh, I haven't called you guys in a while. Obviously, a lot's been been going on, but um, trying to get caught up on the podcast. Um, I used to listen during my commutes, which takes a lot of time. And without that, now I've I've not really had occasions to listen so much. But um, I did just listen to the um, album discussion for uh, the first Brave Saint Saturn album, and uh, just had some some thoughts I wanted to share with you too. Um. First, I think it was Andrew that said he was a, a four on the Enneagram, which is also what I am. And oh, given man. that um, that's the least least represented uh, number on there, I think it's cool to, to find another person that kind of sees things the same way. So uh, I thought that was kind of neat. Shout out to my fellow four. We... We, we cry are, together. We are, we, are, we are dark and sad <laughs> together, my brother. I got you. Um, but getting getting to the album, um, so I've been I'm a musician um, amongst other things, and um, there have been Such different points where I've played several of these songs from this album um, in public for other people. Uh, I think the first one we played was um, a song y'all shut all over, uh, which is Gloria. Um, so I think I just started playing guitar around the time this came out, and um, it's a pretty easy song to learn, as you guys mentioned. It has a pretty trite chord progression. Um, but I remember playing it for a Valentine's Day banquet at um, the church I attended at the time, which just seems fucking weird to do now. I have no idea why we chose that song to play then, but there you go. Uh, but perhaps even more embarrassing is, um, I don't know, maybe a year or something after that, uh, me and some of the other teenagers at my church um, performed uh, Shadow of Death. And um, we even got my dad, who was the youth minister, to come and do the Frank Tate part. And, uh, you know, he put his name Kenny C. instead of Frankie T. Uh, in there and everything. And um, I cringed enough just listening to the Brave St. Saturn version uh, on the podcast. And I'm just really thankful that I was a teenager at a time before everybody had cameras <laughs> with them all over, because uh, I'm sure that cringe would be too much. Um, getting to the, the one of the big discussion points of the pod uh, was under bridges, mm-hmm. and um, I, I kind of understand where John is coming from, and I can sort of see the things he's discussing. But I'm definitely going to side more with Andrew on this mm. one, mostly because he yelled louder and he used an f bomb while doing so, and so I think that makes him right. You're that is right. That's don't you know that we live in a Trump America when saying you're wrong, your wrong idea louder means wrong. That you're right. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> uh, but in addition to that. Um, I always looked at that line about the savior of the prostitutes, et cetera. Um, I guess kind of the same way Andrew did. I, I don't think. Um, he continues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't think Reese was intending to, um, like, talk down on, on those groups of people that were mentioned or, or identify them as these horrible sinners. Um, I think it was more of, hey, here are all these people. Because to me, here's the thing. Because to me, it's more of an indictment of the way of, of the church, which, yep. you know, that is a topic that's not any kind of um, unfamiliar territory to read sort of five iron or brave saint Saturn now, I guess. And it was more an, an indictment of saying, hey, like all of these groups of people that you, the church, typically malign and denigrate and try to keep from associating with or helping or being involved in their lives in any way, um, you know, Jesus died for them just as much as he did for any of you. And um, it can get tricky, I guess, when you t- start talking about, you know, what the least of these actually means, because it can get really judgmental, um, I think, if you're not careful. But um, certainly I think those are groups of people that Reese identified as the church identifying as the least of these. And so I always took it as more of him saying, hey, you know, these groups that you guys think are the least of these, um, well, the way you're treating them is the way you're treating Christ. So uh, that's my take on it. And that's, Ooh, that one's probably my number one. Um, Resistor would be on there. And either Space Robot 5 or 229. Um, those are both really solid tracks. Um, the Rocket Town cover, yeah, it sucked. A funny thing about <laughs> that song, too, is um, so I live in Houston. I've lived here almost my whole life. And uh, that song became a big hit uh, back when the Rockets or winning their back-to-back championship seasons. And I remember the local CCM station used to play that song all the time as if, you know, you know, we're Rocket Town. But the whole thing, and this is kind of like I talked about him naming that skate park and all this stuff after it, is you, you don't want to be Rocket Town. That's like <laughs> right, yeah. kind of all the hedonists and, and, and the sin and, and, you know, the reveling and, and these earthly things. And, um, yeah, that just, I don't think it hit me at the time because I was, you know, just kind of a kid when that was going on. Um, but looking back on it, that seems really weird. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it is a, it's a bummer. It's a bummer cover. Um, it, it's hard to recapture the, uh, the, the smittiness. Um, can never uh, recapture the smittiness. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of, uh, we don't have to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> fine. No, fine. I mean we can. I was just, I was just no, saying, it's a bummer. It was, yeah, bummer town, bummer town, bummer town, bummer town. It's bummer town. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He uh, he did say in one of his other um, voicemails about co-signing that we wanted more, more accordion. Oh yeah. Um, but and also the next Brave Saint Saturn record has. Uh, some versions of the song that edit out the swear words mm. um, because there are so, uh, on the next Brave Saint Saturn. Uh, right. There's like pissed and I <laughs> right, think, right. and I think hell. Yeah. And those were uh, sort of edited. Controversy. Yeah. Yeah. But so we have the unedited versions that I can. Uh, Phew. Yeah. So. We, as as uh, as Ryan says uh, in his other voicemail, we don't we don't shy away from con- controversy. It's on this, true on this pod. No. Um, so we will uh, we will dive into. I mean, we don't swear on this pod, but we'll we'll just have to make sure to let people know. Right. 
This is a family uh, pod. This is, this is a family pod. People listen to this with their children. Yep. It's got to be some Danny Stairs. Some guys, your boy Danny Stairs calling. Um, almost the end of the episode here. Um, just listening through. Uh, I didn't appreciate the way you referred to John choosing the medley as a cheat. It would only be cheat if Andrew did it. When John does it, it's an economical choice. Magpie for life. <laughs> Okay. First of all, we have to name a couple of things about this Google translation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Was it, is it the uh, bagpipe for life? <laughs> bagpipe for life is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've, we've made many references to the various ways Google screws up his name yeah. um, because he mumbles, but it, it, this one says some dashboard, any stairs calling um, <laughs> so like a little dashboard reference. I think, yeah. um, no, I appreciate the sport and I think he's correct. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to interpret some of these <laughs> uh, because there's Danny's Danny's phone likes to cut out and he likes to mumble, but okay. what's up you handsome bastards. Your boy Danny stares again, um, calling loved the extended edition of John Potter's pot Potter. Uh, great story. Um, John always has great stories. And, and so I guess my comment here is if he has nice things, uh, such a thoughtful guy, why is it that when MXJ wants to party, John's like, I got to go home? You know? <laughs> What's going on? I pop for life. So essentially what he's saying is you're a great storyteller. You have some great stories. But when there's a potential for an epic story or an epic evening, you're like, sure. I got to go, guys. Got to go. You know, I am a tired man. <laughs> and I have two small children. Yeah. And I'm not traveling to another state to play a show where my two small children are not, I have to go back home to my two small children at night who will wake me up, but hours later. So listen, I devote my weekends to MXPX gatherings as much as I can, but I can't, I can't live that um, gathering in abandoned office buildings to extend the party life (laughs) that you guys can. Uh, For more on that, (laughs) go listen to our pod from about a year ago about seeing MXPX and Vibran. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got nothing to say. I'm not. I'm not. A, you know, I. I. Uh, I'm an introvert. I like being <laughs> by myself at home, <laughs> except for right now, when I would really like to go to an abandoned office building with you guys and MSPX yeah. and Beverly. Same. Uh, further, uh, Google translation um, that Danny enjoyed the extended ed- edition of John Potter. Potter Potter. <laughs> John Potter Potter Potter. That's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to change John Potter's Pod Fodder to John Potter Potter <laughs> Potter. Potter. <laughs> the name, the name, the man's so nice. They named me thrice. thrice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do, uh, we, do you have anything else? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Hard to, hard to top that. Yeah, hard to top that. Um, so, John, I think we've sufficiently wasted everybody's I think time. So. Yes, if you wanted to skip ahead, I certainly understand that. But yeah. uh, perhaps we'll take a small break and come back with a very special guest. Yeah, we when we come back, we will be talking to Leonor Ortega Till, aka Jeff the Girl, Jeff, aka.
John, today on the podcast, um, I couldn't be more thrilled. We have Leonore Ortega-Till from Five Iron Frenzy, saxophone player, uh, podcaster, yes. all-around wonderful person. Leonore, welcome to Magnified Pod. Hi, so- good to be on here, guys. Hi. So happy to have you. Um, so I want to ask the very first question, which is... Uh, Kind of a loaded question these days, but uh, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I am okay. Today I woke up a little feisty because it is very much like Groundhog's Day, you know, where you yeah the same day over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, being on this podcast gave me a reason to uh, straighten my hair. I actually <laughs> even put perfume on for you guys, but you can't hey. tell. But I, I mean, had it for like three weeks, so I was like, why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Same, same. (laughs) I I can tell. You smell good too. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I'm okay. Like overall, I am really good. I live in a life of balance that I've worked Mm. very hard to get to in the past Mm. several years. And so I was telling my husband this yesterday that because we have cultivated a very balanced life, this isn't hitting us as hard as it might have a few years ago. Sure. A few years ago, I would have been a wreck. I was Honestly, I was probably drinking a little too much. Um, I was definitely eating way too many nachos. Poor <laughs> diet. Wasn't getting outside enough. Um, yeah. Eating eating junk food, and also just watching things that weren't good for my spirit, weren't good for my um, my dip into depression. And so that would have been hard. But the past few years, we've kind of worked on a more holistic life, a more healthy food and drink life, a more balance. And so overall, I think that we're handling it okay. That's, that's great to hear. Um, what about the kids? Like, is this, I've, I'm very curious with uh, people. Uh, I, don't, I don't have kids. A lot of people in my life um, do varying ages. And so I'm always curious um, how people talk about this to kids of different ages and different stages of life. And, and so I'm just curious how they're, they're handling it. If you know, if they're, they're, they're actually, this is the best vacation of their life in some ways because they want time with dad. So the fact my husband owns his own screen printing company. Um, and so he normally would go to work around nine and then get back at around maybe six or seven or, you know, late, late at night when they're already in bed. And then I usually have one weekend a month where I'm out of town with five iron shows. Right. And so having mom and dad together, laughing every day, eating, you know, bacon and real breakfasts, right. um, playing board games. We, we put out our um, Christmas lights on the back porch and ping pong. We, we live in a house, a pretty big house with my husband's parents. Okay. And so since they live downstairs, we've been sharing a lot of family meals, which is great because I'm a terrible cook. And so it's been awesome for me because I can do dishes and yard work and not have to worry about cooking. My mother-in-law is a great cook. My daughter likes to bake. It's, it's honestly, it feels like little house on the prairie. I don't know if other families feel like this, like where they are doing online school, but they are so loved and they're so nurtured. And we have a dog and some axolotls and a garden space and a trampoline. I honestly, if I was a kid, I would love it. Yeah. I I feel like, I vacillate. I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And like some days I'm like, this is the most special family time we've ever had. And then an hour later, I'm like, I'm losing my mind. Uh, So (laughs) I definitely vacillate, but I can relate to it feeling like also like a pretty special uh, moment sometimes. 
I also want to say a shout out to Fortnite because my son <laughs> and he doesn't uh, have a lot of friends, but because of Fortnite and because of being able to play the game in, in real time, listening to his friends, he's actually grown socially in this time. Mm, that's fascinating. Cool. fascinating. Weird because my daughter, who's the extrovert, is not getting any friend much. She's using Marco Polo to kind of talk in with her friends and she's making too yeah. many YouTube videos. She's only an expert on it. Today she recorded herself doing the dishes. <laughs> recommends you do them. <laughs> I mean, I would watch. I'll yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Marco Polo is, has been kind of a, a lifesaver. I've had it on my phone for a while and only in these past few weeks have I been like, Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, seeing faces. I remember what that right. was like. And so that has been pretty critical for me as somebody who's very extroverted and uh, love languages are touch and time spent. And some of those I cannot have. So yeah. being able to see somebody is like, like I can't, I can't not see uh, emotive faces for the next two months. So um, are your, are your kids, uh, are they uh, animal crossing fans? Because that's kind of the, the no, biggest thing right now. I don't know. I've had someone mention it today, but I don't know. I mean, they're on they're on there enough with my daughter doing YouTube and watching yeah. tutorials, and then my son with Fortnite. <laughs> um, it's it's, and then now my son is getting into like you know he's he's almost fourteen, so he's really into the Marvel movies with dad and the things that his right. sister didn't watch. So okay, yeah. right on. Um, I feel like this would be you know talking about food, talking about cooking, spending time with family, gardening would be, uh, you know, transition to talking about your podcast a little yeah. bit. Oh, because that sounds like a hippie. <laughs> well, I mean, it's some, of the, some of these things that you do discuss on, uh, on Two Punk to be a hippie, um, talking about your, the intentionality of, of food and, um, and gardening. And you spent some time talking about your, your childhood and some of the lessons that you learned um, good and bad from from your parents, and um, I kind of wanted to get a little bit of more insight uh, on on that because I you had mentioned that you for a while I'm not sure if you had said how long that you were vegetarian for a little while. A long uh, while from age 16 to age 31. Oh wow! Okay. Huh. Um, but I also feel like I remember you saying that you were not a very good vegetarian um, i ate elk if my uncles hunted it i ate fish once in a while if we would catch it um okay. and then the only other times is when certain promoters of five iron would be like we we had this one really sweet guy that was in texas and he'd be like jeff i brought you a baked potato <laughs> i know you're vegetarian i look at it and it have like bacon on yeah, it yeah, <laughs> right yeah. right right yeah burgers cut cooked in meat right you know? so but yeah i would try to be i really yeah. really tried to be a vegetarian <laughs> Andrew's a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. I feel like he's uh, more uh, in keeping with the, the rules than I am. But oh, okay. no, this hear my reason. Did you listen to why? It was Let's a hear it. Weird. Let's hear it. Well, it's because I lived in Greeley, near Greeley, Colorado. And at the time, Momfort's meat packing plant was a huge um, industry. And essentially, they would hire illegal immigrants, Mexican, Mexicans. And I'm yeah. Mexican American. That's my background. My grandparents being from Mexico. And um, it was horrible. It was just bad, bad, bad working conditions. And I really believe that psychologically it was damaging for people. Yeah. And then when they would try to unionize or get paid well or get safety, um, sure. safety clauses put on, 
for their jobs, they would all get fired mm-hmm. and start over, open the plant in a few more months. And so it was kind of my, own, I, it started as a, as a political protest. Mm, wow. um, it wasn't ever that I didn't like meat. It was never that I didn't like the taste or anything. So it was a little, yeah. just, and then I just kind of stuck with it because I became really legalistic and wanted to see if I could do it. Sure. So what, what ultimately, sorry, you probably talked about this on the pod, but what ultimately changed you back to non-veggie life? Yeah, my second pregnancy. Okay. Pregnancy, I did vegetarian. And my second one, um, I was watching a commercial and it was like a meaty pizza. I was like, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) Done so. Honestly, it had been hard my first couple years of marriage, um, trying to cook meat when I didn't eat it. Right. Yeah. Right. That was a little bit of a schism, right? But when you guys stick with it, what are your reasons for doing it? Uh, I think it's a, a bunch of them. I mean, political is definitely, I never disliked the taste of meat either. I think it was kind of, I mean, actually the reason we usually said is that our dog is a French bulldog and she looks like a pig. And so we just started being like, we saw like some, a documentary about like farming life and there were pigs and we were like, I mean, that literally looks like our dog. So like, why do we eat the pigs, but not the dog? So that was kind of the beginning of it for us, but I'm sure Andrew could speak to it more eloquently. Well, yeah. And, and this is something we've, we've, talked kind of at length on on the yeah. pod like uh, that sh- that basically for me is i i don't differentiate between john's dog my cat and a cow and a pig and a chicken i i one of my main ethics in life is to cause the least amount of suffering in the world as i can and and to me that extends to as many living things as i can yeah, that's um, really cool. So I, I just, I, I, I love animals. I just love animals so much and, and I deeply respect them and I have a, an emotional connection with them. And, and so I just, I, I have a hard time um, making that, that just disconnect where I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, I'm going to go cuddle with my cat and then <laughs> eat something that you know i also wouldn't mind cuddling you know so right yeah but well, yeah it's always interesting because keith and the band was also a vegetarian and then the other guys were not and so it, it was a little bit of a challenge touring especially back in the day and trying because back in the day the only place you could find good food would be like flying J. did you ever hear flying J? it's like a gas station yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. sure peanut, they would have peanut butter and jelly and maybe hummus um but, you know, oftentimes it was, you know, going to a burger joint and just asking for no meat, you know, no patty on your right. hamburger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was, it was dicey back in the day. There really weren't many, you know, we would love when we'd go to like Austin or San Francisco because we're like, we are going to eat good. Yeah. cities where it's like amazing. Yeah. I didn't realize that was why uh, Reese goes after Keith and, and Stinky <laughs> Hippie, uh, right? Is that the song where he kind of goes probably, after? That's probably the only reason because there wasn't anything else about <laughs> Keith. And I honestly, I want to say, and maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but I want to say he's probably still a vegetarian. Mm, okay. He probably still is. Interesting. Um, you ready to do a hard left turn into a different topic, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 that's, that's our, that's our wheelhouse. Hard left turn. I, want to, I want to say one thing real quick, that it is really hard to be a hippie in this season. I mean, it's hard and it's good. And I'm going to talk about it on the pod, my podcast, but it's been really hard because I don't have access to the things that would make me a really good hippie right now. Like I need mm. seeds and I only have a few seeds and I'm trying right, yeah. so hard on purpose socially. And by socially, I mean to be a good person in society 
by not buying anything. Nothing's coming yeah. out, nothing at all. So nothing out, nothing in. We're trying to just sit still and do nothing. So I found some seeds and we'll see what happens. But um, normally I would really be starting my garden and I'm going to be screwed because in Denver, you know, the, uh, well, probably I'll be screwed as far as growing a garden because you won't have much of a growing season, but I'm really doing good on my uh, compost. So that will be fine. <laughs> nice. At least right. you got that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, go ahead. No, sorry. I, I, before, before we got, got off, if we were going to talk about something other than, than too punk to be a hippie, there was something that you mentioned uh, in your last episode. Um, you talked about your, uh, I think, was it in Pierce, yeah, Colorado, where yeah, your parents yeah. bought a house? Right. I seem to remember you said your parents bought a haunted house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then you just breezed right on past that. I and I, well, I don't believe in haunted, dude. I wish I did. I okay. Don't. Well, this is this is the okay. thing because our last episode, we t- John talked about his his uh, a sort of pseudo paranormal experience he had, and uh, and so I wanted to get just hear a little bit about like what is it that made this place haunted? Was it sort of like a a legend in the area or what was it? Was it just the aesthetic? No, a few things. So one, uh, so I guess I would say, well, whether or not I believe in haunted, there was an aesthetic. It's a huge old stone house that was built in 1907 by Colonel Pretty, who P-R-I-D-D-Y. And he um, had built this house and it was huge. So it was, it was Victorian style. It had chandeliers. It had beautiful wood, beautiful carpets. It was gorgeous. It was on this beautiful piece of land. And when we were messing around years later, we were digging around in the basement and we found some secret rooms that had been, that had been cinder blocked up. Right. Nope. And guess mm. what we found in it? A nope. mattress, dude. We no. found a, yes. Yes. <laughs> and my, my Mexican uncle Foodie was like, no, same thing. He's crawling in there. We're like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> nope. Because because before we bought the house, it had been vacant for a long time. It had, do you know what brick bugs are? They're no. blind, but they have like a red line going through them. They could be okay. called um, elder bugs or something. Yeah, elder bugs, it was, right. It was an infestation of bugs, like thousands Yikes. in every room as we went through it. And no one had lived in it in a long time. And yeah, I'm, I'm serious. We found secret rooms with mattresses in them. And that kind of freaks you out, right? Yeah, that's not good. Yes. No, it's not what you want. That's no, it's definitely not what you want. Um, so, but you, but you, did you, you stayed in that house for a while then I'm assuming? Oh, my whole life. Like I, well, I lived there from five till, I mean, I moved out before my parents did put it that way. So yeah, wow. I moved out for, to join five iron essentially. Yeah. When I was 18. But I, to be honest, like as far as haunted, I never got a bad vibe. And honestly, like if I had the money now, I would buy that house now. It, Fascinating. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It has a lot of uh, land on it. And there's something about living out there and the, the view of the mountains you can see is always gorgeous. That's cool. Beautiful. John, sorry. I, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like I'm monopolizing here. So no, no, I was like <laughs> trying to find ways to link uh, ethical eating and haunted experiences <laughs> into like five iron proper. And it just wasn't coming Being to my brain. Finally death of Brad. It's there so you go. <laughs> me right now, right now. Oh man. I'm tell you guys that I'm going to tell you something funny. So I love, today me and Brad had a little, you know, I miss you, I miss you too. Um, I mean, we were in Five Iron starting at 18 and we're, you know, I'm 43, he'll be 43 
Well, yeah, he just turned 43 also. Um, but just to say something interesting about our band, we have a running text going at all times. At That's all awesome. Times. We love you. We miss you. We need to see you. How are you? Stupid joke. We have this one game called You Work At. You Work At is wherever you work. So I work at a hoe for hair. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that um, uh, Brad works at Maurice the Pants Man. Okay. <laughs> someone works at Avon Books and Booty, although that might be me. And someone works at Fuck's Religious Goods. <laughs> that might be Dennis. Oh, yeah. I think Keith works at Bag Bearings. And I think someone in the band works at Home of the Gay Warrior Dancer, but I can't remember where. But it has to be like a real place you see, right? Okay. okay. That's amazing. <laughs> I would love to do a special episode just about your text threads uh, <laughs> eventually. Um, oh, but. No, I was just going to say kind of where we are in the life of our podcast right now is, so we just got done with the end is here. Um, and so we're kind of in that, yes, the, we're in our feels about the band version 1.0 ending um, without at the time, obviously knowing that there was going to be a 2.0. So we just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to hear a little bit about kind of what your feelings were around the last show around what you thought was coming next i know scum was kind of happening concurrently but if you could just kind of talk about that transition into you guys having jobs and kind of making the church a more central part of what you were doing i'm trying to remember the phrase that masaki used when he was on your last podcast he said something about when he was watching us on stage for the last show he was seeing I think he said something like, and it wasn't the destruction of our identity, but maybe it was about, our, basically it was like our, our identity falling apart, like changing, you know, like right. Right visually. And I think you do see that when you watch the video is that me just almost collapsing um, into the best moment slash worst moment of my life, right? Hmm. Like, like who am I without five iron? Um, right. One thing I knew for sure, for sure, just being myself and my strong personality is I felt very strongly that no guy would ever marry me when I was in that band. Hmm. And so for Five Iron to break up was kind of a curse and a, and a blessing because I, I did want to get married someday. And right. I did want to try a different career. And I did want to have babies someday. So after Five Iron broke up and after that last show, um, I was already, I had been dating Steven for uh-huh. about maybe a year. I don't know how long, about a year. So two months after the last show, he proposed to me. And then six months later, we got married. Wow. So that was part of my life that was unfolding then and I knew was happening and I was excited about um yeah I think the last show it was so surreal we were physically exhausted we were shaking and I want to say honestly um Saki said it too but it was probably one of the most amazing shows quote-unquote in the pocket tight wise we ever played yeah we used to call it in the pocket you know when you're all you know yeah um and so there were times in that show, like, especially like when you're playing New Hope and like the horn line is, you know, we're playing it. And he's like really revving. This is before click tracks. So you're trying to keep up. Right. And I would say there were times in that show where my fingers were doing something that my body probably wasn't capable of doing. Mm. You know, like mm. one of those experiences. Yeah. Where yeah. Yep. You're, you're, you're full on. You're just, you're going by muscle memory 100%, but you're able to lock in with every set of eyes that you're seeing that night which was weird was that so many people had flown in from all around the country that we had already seen mm-hmm. so that was weird because it was like oh hey you oh hey you oh hey you you okay right. oh my gosh you're here and then you have your family members and right. my you know mexican-american family is not quiet 
<laughs> on this, the other side screaming at me the whole time as if it's appropriate for me to turn. It's not, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I'm glad you're uh, able to dedicate when I go out to them. <laughs> right. Oh, and then The Rock undid my pants that night. I think that was that night. Maybe that was a different show. No, I think that was that night. Uh, did, you, did your parents come to many shows? Um, there's a long story with that. Um, and I, and I kind of want to say something right now. I just want to interrupt and say that I have been howling at the moon for the past three days, but this is a little bit more fun. So I might skip that tonight. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But um, my dad, the first time he came to a five iron show was 1996 at a vineyard in Fort Collins, you know, like the, like the cool youth group room. Right. Mm-hmm. And I saw him watch like two songs and then he walked out. And later he said to me, uh, that's not Christian music. That doesn't honor God. I can't understand the words. What was that? Mm. And so, yeah. And my heart was broken because for me, I had been daddy's girl and I had grown up. We had in Pierce, Colorado, in this little haunted house I grew up in, (laughs) we had a music room. Mm. We had trumpets, we had saxophones, piano, all these percussive instruments. We had a record player. My dad would jam Motown music. And we would even choreograph dances. Adorable. And yeah, my dad would like, I mean, he'd get high or he'd get drunk. And we would just talk about Vietnam. And I was like eight, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a lot. By the end of the night, well, it was, but that was my life. And so by the end of the night, we would start doing spiritual music, mm-hmm. Christian music. And for him, music was a way to connect with God. And he was already a little loose. And so he could be a little emotional. And so for me, joining Five Iron was like, dude, you always said music connects us with God. Mm. This is this is what you this is the only pretty much the only gift you really gave me, and I'm trying to do it to the way I know how, and you are not pleased. So essentially, he told me um, very clearly, if you because in 1997 we had a meeting, all of us in Five Iron, and we said, are we going to quit our college careers, our jobs, and our relation basically like leave our relationships here in Denver? Are we going to tour full time? Um, are we going to do that? Are we going to take this leap? And we all said, yes. So I told my dad and he said, if you do that, if you leave Colorado Christian university to tour with, you know, seven single men or men, you know, um, uh, you are financially responsible for yourself and you do not have my blessing. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And so this, you were, you were how old at this, at this time? Uh, Probably 19 by that time. Okay. Mm -hmm. I assume he like, shifted his thinking about the whole thing eventually guess what <laughs> yeah so uh 11 11 97 which you guys should know nobody else should know you should know that's the night our newest album ever came out yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh we were in denver colorado and we were wearing star trek outfits and playing the Avalon theater which uh-huh. was sold out and it was like back then it was in the ghetto of denver that was a bad neighborhood and i walked outside and walked out in the line and uh, the line was like blocks long. And uh, someone was like, your dad's here. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Like, uh-huh. try that, you know, this is not his scene. And he was, he was in, in the line with my mom, had brought him. And he had a, a bouquet of flowers, which is not very punk rock, but was very uh-huh. sweet. Yeah, that's very cute. He came to the balcony, right, and sat there. And this is, you got, this is the first time we played Every New Day live. Oh, wow. So this is this moment. My dad's here, right? Yeah. No. Wearing these ridiculous outfits. You know, everything was in. If you ever saw that tour, everything was in um, script. We didn't go off the script at all. 
Reese was Captain Kirk. I was O'Hara. There was trouble with Tribbles, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but anyway, when we get to Every New Day, the crowd goes very much from hysterically moshing and crowd surfing to worshiping. Mm. And later after the show, um, well, and actually it went on, it was kind of like the last show, like for a half an hour singing praise songs. And of course the promoter's this Jewish guy and he looks at me and he goes, how long does this last? And I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, did everybody just get saved right now? <laughs> He's like, how do they know the songs? Stop like, asking questions, I'm in the zone. Anyway. So after the show, I went up to the balcony and my dad is sobbing. Mm. And it was one of those moments and he said, you know, he apologized. Uh, he said he got it. God was using it. It was, it was good. It was good. And so mm. from then on, yeah, he'd wear the Five Iron Frenzy shirts and come to shows sometimes. And That's cool. Super, That's cool. great. I love that. So, so for some of us, we didn't have a real job lined up after Five Iron. And we honestly, our last year, we made pretty good money. Um, I mean, for me. So this is one thing I want to say really, really quickly. And it's, it's horrible and it's a can of worms, but right? For a Hispanic woman, I was making the same money as all these other guys in my band, right? So for them, they could say it was crap money. And for me, I could say it was awesome. Mm, I know yeah. that sounds weird, but right. that's just part of like the reality of how it was for me. I was making really good money. Yeah. And um, so when Five Arm broke up, I was like, dang, I got to get a job. Right. I, think, well, I think I'll stick with college, right? I was going to college for sociology and Spanish. Um, and... A lot of us started working at Scum slowly. We could, it was a weird church. It was called Scum of the Earth, and we could raise our own support. Reese worked there as the assistant pastor. Mm-hmm. I worked there in the beginning running an art gallery and eventually becoming licensed as a pastor. Micah was on staff. Andy was on leadership. Brad was on leadership. Micah eventually was on staff. A lot of us were there all the time, and a lot of us hung out with our spouses there. A lot of us you know, had our kids there. That was just a lot of our life. And so Scum of the Earth became a place to hone some of the skills that we had kind of toyed with when we were in Five Iron, such as mentoring or social justice or helping the homeless, things like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that that kind of um, clicks into some of the some other questions that we wanted to talk about. Um, and this is something that John and I have talked about a a lot on this podcast is that five iron was um, for us, some of one of our earliest introductions into issues of social justice, you know um, I mean, the the starting off your very first uh, album talking about native American genocide is just like, you know, punch to the face of re- of, re- of reality, you know? <laughs> I can't imagine it. Now when I look at it, I'm like, would I let my 14-year-old be like, let's rape and kill and steal? I'm like, right. I don't know. Like, <laughs> talk before you just jam this. No, no <laughs> sure, like, right. yeah, because I was, uh, I think I was uh, maybe 13 when I first uh, first heard um, a Beats and Beatdowns. And, um, and so we, we also talked about, we've talked about, uh, a lot of these albums giving us permission to question authority, question the church, push back on um, on what it means to be a person of faith, mm-hmm. and um, and so I, I know that uh, throughout the the band there's been uh, people contributing lyrics and um, and songs and everything, and and I, I'm very curious. Um, 
about some of that that those conversations that went on because uh, with it with a lot of you know with so many people in the band, I imagine that there would be different ideas or feelings about. Um, I mean, you know, Reese being the the main songwriter, like, did this, was this, what were these conversations like? One of the things you have to consider is a ska band is eight people. And we had in our band, let me just first start by saying we had people that were Presbyterian, Assemblies of God, legalistic, um, we had Calvinist, we had um, people, we had a couple of Holy Rollers, you know, Pentecostals. That's me and Micah. Um, we had all different across the board, spiritually, yeah. plus politically. And right. then plus you add the fact that we're young, so we don't really even know where we stand politically. You know, we have people that were raised Democrat, probably only me, to be honest. I don't know, probably only me. Um, I always, I was raised thinking, you know, to be a Christian, you were a Democrat. I didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how Hispanics are. That's how we're raised. Like, whoa, JFK and Robert <laughs> and farm workers, and this just goes hand in hand. Right. So. And then we had people that thought, oh, no, Christian's Republican or like, you know, and then we had some socialist leanings. So and definitely libertarian leanings big time. Um, And then we just had some people that could care less about, you know, social issues and stuff. Um, So when you're adding all of that stuff together, you kind of um, you're in a mix. But because because back in the day and because now both both the onus and the thread and the and the common ground is always love mm-hmm. and respect and hope and change when you add all those things together that's a very smart recipe for getting it right if, if you can you know and we even have a song that says you know god hates flags if yeah. there's a question the answer is to love yep. i think that's probably the core crux of any lyric or any show we would take any tour we would take any because behind the scenes there were so many decisions being made above and beyond the lyrics. I mean, fans see the lyrics, right? But they don't see um, Joe Schmo wants you to charge this much for a t-shirt. Joe Schmo wants you to sell your soul in this way or um, whatever it is, right? You know, they don't see all that stuff happening behind the scenes. But that, that's part of having integrity too and being in a band. So I think for us, because we're so um, open to being used, and by that, I mean our capital V voice. I think we all feel a responsibility for our voice to be collective and to be used, not to be, um, I, I get it that there are bands that just want to be a rock band, just want to be a punk band, just want to be fun. I get that. But I feel that for Five Iron, we are very missional. And whether we have the same mission today, we are still very missional. Sure. We, we have a message and it's, and it's that the status quo sucks hmm. and that we are part of the problem. Right. We all need to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that we talk about a lot too, is the, the authenticity of the point of view in a lot of the lyrics and in you guys as people, there's just a real feeling of kind of vulnerability and authenticity that feels unique among the scene, especially we were saying, you know, as kids who were in the punk world, but also listening to CCM and Christian stuff, like that felt unique in both of those scenes that like the, the pointing the finger at yourself was not a part of much of either of those worlds. So I think when we were motivated by some of the, um, you know, like fighting against the system aspects of the punk scene, we also 
I think both of us really resonated with the idea that like, but it's not so much only pointing outward. It's also like, how are we contributing to that? And I think that's something that we've always kind of taken from the band. Yeah, I think so. I think that it's, it's interesting in the beginning, we didn't have meetings where we sat down and talk, talked about lyrics. It was kind of like fast, 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 kind of like Saki talk. It was fast. And sometimes half of us would be back in town and Reef would be left to finish up the lyrics. Sure. Um, I will say that I was pleased and stoked to be able to write some of the lyrics for five hours. And one of the things, I don't know, I don't think Saki talked about this, but what would happen is Reese would not have an idea for a song or he'd have too much on his plate or who knows what, but he would basically, he'd be like, here's one for you. That's how it would work. It's like, I didn't get the top of the pick, right? It'd be like, this is what's left that I can't do anymore. And I'd be like, yeah, give me what you got, dude. I'll take anything, any scrap, right? Whatever. Um, and I would record them singing my voice over and Saki would make sure Reese would sing it like I did. So wow. like even all, even all that is good where it's like opinion shifted, da, 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 you know, it's like very, it's almost feminine. It's almost sing song, mm. right? Yeah. But Reese had to do it because I wrote it that way and Saki, you know, is a cool guy. And so he made yeah. sure it went the way I wanted it, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I mean, that's something we've talked about too, is the songs of yours on their records, like there's kind of a uniquely uh, vulnerable and honest point of view in your songs as well. So is that, you know, you were kind of given the music and you made the lyrics to fit the songs, right? Is that how it generally? I, I think so. I didn't set out to write a song about my brother passing away. Right. Um, but it was in my psyche it was in my whole life everything was revolving around that right and i think that the guys prodded me to do that in a loving way kind of as a closure and as a tribute um so when they suggested it i was cool with it because i had poetry around it but um Mm. it's different to take scott is so fun to talk he loves philosophy right and the the difference between a lyric and a poem a poem and a lyric do we write Mm. the music around the lyrics do we write the lyric first and then you know oh it's got to be this way maybe let's try this way so for me it was always hard because I love, like, my favorite band is Bad Religion. And I Mm. love how cryptic their lyrics are, right? What the heck is he talking about? But I can sing it with my whole heart. Right. Right. And I wanted to do that because Reese's lyrics are very literal. Mm. You know, that's the image. That's what he's telling you. This is the story of what happened when I was sucker punched. I didn't want to do that. So, like, something like All That Is Good, Do All Streams Lead to One Sea, you can easily tell that I'd been listening to Bad Religion with All That Is Good. It's like, what <laughs> is this? Like, it's more questions than answers. Yeah, um, that's why it's great. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like it. Um, so Car was a little bit harder. Um, uh, the, the cool thing about um, something like Laughter, it was like mm. one of the last days I was supposed to write the song and I told Reese I would do it and nothing was coming and nothing was coming. I knew I wanted to talk about women because I had been working at Scum of the Earth for a while. And the thing I kept seeing was very angry women hmm. who were kind of like, uh, just kind of left by the wayside. And, and I was like, yeah, you don't need a man, but you can tell someone they don't need a man. And that doesn't mean that that's what they've been hearing from society their whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or just feeling overlooked, like, you know, society doesn't value you until you have a partner. Right. Um, and so... I wanted to write a song for those single women that, you know, you are enough, you are, don't lose hope. And so I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. And I was asleep on the couch at Saki's house, which everybody always is, right? He said, I don't play Halo. True. I'm just you know, <laughs> kind of trying to sleep with earplugs. Sure. Um, and I got up in the middle of the night 
I found a piece of paper in the trash and a pen and I wrote something down and I went to sleep. And when I woke up and looked at it, it was something like laughter. Mm, that's cool. And I don't remember writing it. It's mm. one of those things where, no, wow. I'm serious. I know wow. people. That's the kind of haunted I believe in, right? <laughs> like, serious. It was like, oh, thank you, God, because I didn't know what I was going to say, and this is way better. So those mm. kind of things would happen once in a while. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so during this, uh, I want to fast forward from that to this time after the band broke up and you have spouses and jobs and things are kind of moving on. And, um, I, you know, I, I talked with, uh, our, uh, friend, Jason yeah. Simon, shout, uh, shout out to our shadow, our shadow producer, Jason. We love this guy. Um, and he, he was telling me the story that I want you to elaborate on about, how you may have unintentionally gotten Five Iron to reunite. <laughs> I have a very big mouth. I don't have the ability to think of something before I say it. Like I can't even do it in a podcast. It doesn't happen. There's no point in outline because it won't happen. It just, it's <laughs> I'm like, oh, that must be what I believe. I said it. Mm. So anyway, I was at Cornerstone. I had gone to Cornerstone the last several years um, well after Five Iron because they had kind of given me a job, which was to VJ and interview the, um, the musicians. So I'd get to interview me without you. Right. Um, just tons of bands, right? It was super fun. And yeah, I was camping. So that sucked. <laughs> um, Cornerstone sucking is also <laughs> a theme of our podcast. Way too spoiled for that. <laughs> it just, I uh, had the girl room that any girl could stay with. I'd have like up to seven women with me, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Only like, <laughs> yeah, the, the, what I remember about Cornerstone, this is the conversation we have with just about everybody is that it's uh, oppressively hot at all. Like, doesn't like, I, I would try and like stay in the merch tent and like, just get out of the sun for like a minute because it was just so dusty and hot and miserable. I know. And sticky, sticky and dusty. Yes. But, but great, anyway, so great memories. <laughs> I was talking to some guy um, that recognized me, probably one person. I don't know, maybe a few, a handful, right? Yeah. Because um, it had been a long time. I think we were broken up maybe nine years. So at this point, it was probably like seven years we'd been broken up. Anyway, someone recognized me and he goes, do you think you'll ever get back together? And in my gut and in my heart, no. In my mind, see, I don't even know. In my mind, I would have said no. No, we never will in my mind because of the different ideological thoughts and beliefs sure. of different people in the band. But in my heart, I was thinking, oh, I wish, don't even say that. Oh my gosh, like, let's not even pretend. So yeah. I don't know if he read through my psyche more than the words I said, but I said, I, I think I literally said, I don't know, but it would be amazing. Hmm. Something like that, right? It would be amazing. When um, I got back from Cornerstone, which is a 15 hour drive, my cell phone, which had been out of range, had gone off. You know, I wasn't, this is before you had email on your phone. So my, my email was, and every single person was like, what did you say? Oh my gosh, what did you do? And I hadn't talked to, you know, most of the band members in a long time. And I'm like, what? And they pull it up online because I'm not savvy. Oh, Je and this guy had written an article. Jeff the Girl confirms. Five <laughs> friends here, Cornerstone next year. 
No. What an wow. asshole. What <laughs> right? So right? Dude, this guy, if he's hearing this, I we've kind of made our, made up, but I went off on it. First of all, I think I wrote like a thing saying why why a question is not an interview or something like that. And then I just right. take it down right now. And at first he was like, no, that's my impression. And I was like, no, but you're wrong. Weird. I, it was, yeah, he was a little combative. Um, but anyway, so we had like all of us. Like, no, Super happen. disrespectful. <laughs> oh, it was awkward. But then we had had a birthday party for Micah in my backyard at the time. Yeah. Micah and Trisha came. Scott was there with his family. Dennis happened to be in town from New Jersey with his family. Uh, I don't think Brad was there. I think that might have been it. But anyway, at one point, Scott says, which I haven't seen him in years, right? I hadn't even talked to him. Talked yeah. with him. And he says, well, I've been writing some songs, and I would love to hear you guys on them. Cool. And like his faces were like, do not joke <laughs> about, yeah. like, not funny. And Scott yeah. is never really being funny. <laughs> not being funny. So he was like, I have some songs. He says it in a different way. I'm like, oh, really? Serious. Uh-huh. Well, the next thing I remember, and I don't know the order of all this, but we had a meeting on the phone where all of us are on there, and here's Reese's voice in the back. I don't know, guys. Maybe we should think about this. Yeah. And that's where it kind of all started. Yeah. That's cool. Did it take some convincing of some folks more than others? Was everybody just kind of like, let's because do it? We all ended up in Denver, and we decided to talk, to start by talking, and we all sat in a circle. And we all said where we were on a spiritual spectrum. Hmm. And that felt like the first conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, we'd always been missional. And so it was a can of worms right. and it's like, why not just face it, right? Why not? And it was probably yeah. something I wanted to do, to be honest, because a lot of other people are like, they don't want to have a meeting um, because it's awkward and you respect people. So let's just pretend we don't want to talk about anything deep, right? I hate that. I can't do it. So I'm very confrontational. And so I was like, no, we're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, and what, what the interesting thing that had happened is those of us that were still on the spectrum considering ourselves as Christians had gotten stronger into it and more convinced mm-hmm. and more enmeshed. And then two people, Andy and Scott, you know, were not, on, not deciding, deciding there weren't Christians. And then we just had to talk, well, what could this be? Do we respect each other? Do we love each other? Do we want to do it anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And through a lot of talk, and it may have been, you know, a couple hours, we all just said, yeah, we would want to do this. And it's valid anyway. Yeah. yeah. Did that approach feel different from how you were deciding together to be missional the first time around? Like, did it feel like a similar vibe, just a different circumstances for folks? Or was it like a new sort of mission that you guys felt you had this time? I don't think we've ever used the word mission since we've gotten back together. Sure. I think that if you were to say, well, to, to give you a bit of a clue to it, um, about two years ago, we were in a hotel room after playing a show in Florida. And it, it, we, things had gotten a little dicey. We weren't all getting along. You know, it's hard. It's sure. really hard. We weren't making much money. It's a lot of work to fly out. We all, the guys, God bless them. They all, a lot of them have careers where this is, takes all their vacation time away from yeah. their families, you know. Right. And it, yeah. it ends up costing more than it gives us. And so it was one of those kind of shitty vibes. And we're just sitting in the hotel room and we decided to go around in a circle and say, why do you do this? And 
Dennis kind of started it. And um, everyone said, every single person said, because I love you guys, you are my best friends. And without this, I won't see you. Mm, yeah. Mm. And I think everyone said it in different ways. But I think at the end of, of saying that, Dennis was like, well, this is a pretty expensive way to see each other. <laughs> I mean, pretty poor excuse. Of, but it's true. It's yeah. true. There's yeah. something we said for the family that we have. Um, it's, it's more... I didn't want to say it's more than a marriage, but it was going to come out. It's, it's intense. It's because you don't divorce the band because I can't do it without them and they can't do it without me. And we love it all for different reasons. So it's very selfish. So yeah, when we got back together, it didn't feel missional for the same reasons. Some people sure. want a song. Some people want to record. Some people like me, I like to perform and meet people. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I like to use my voice. Yeah. I feel like this is uh, an appropriate time then you know, talking about the band getting back together. It's been, you know, seven years since the last album. Um, There's been some teasing on social media. What's the deal? Well, how do any of us know right now? We are in the great unknown. Haven't Mm. you seen Frozen 2? We are all into the unknown. (laughs) Frozen 2 is such a a perfect movie for this moment. say how can i say all i can do is the next good thing you know yes. thing, which would be to continue to talk to my guys to continue to figure out how we can use our voice i'll say we're not done yet we don't want to be done yet in fact i'm constantly wishing we had shows on the horizon oh, um, yeah. to, say, <laughs> to say something i guess the hope now this new season and and after 2016 i will say the new season is that a lot of us are angry mm-hmm. and, and feisty. And now we're just getting exhausted. Like first we were angry. Now we're just, yep. yeah. idling, right. It's like, what yeah. the hell? it's too much. Mm-hmm. And so the trick is going to be as a society and as a band to not just point fingers. That's yeah. all we want to do. It's what you right. want to do. But at the end of the day, if we're saying that our voice is only valid, if we also look inward, mm. it, it behooves us to do that with humility and recognize that there's still growth that needs to happen in us too, regardless mm-hmm. of the amount of injustice we see. And we're seeing a lot, a lot. Yep. Yes. So, so I feel like, yeah, it's a lot of uh, fuel for the fire. So we're not done. Um, but I hope we're also not done in looking in the mirror because that would be, that'd be a sad day mm. for, for us. Yeah. So what you're saying is cornerstone next year confirmed is what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, you know, the last cornerstone, they set a ship on fire. They did the Viking ship. It nice. went to the lake. They had, everyone came down. We had, you know, candles. And then they had like um, arrows of fire and they shot them at it and we watched it burn. <laughs> so, All right. So not, not confirmed. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm hearing that, you are single-handedly bringing back Cornerstone. Oh, <laughs> and it's already, there's headlines I'm seeing on Twitter already that it's happening. Yeah. So. Hashtag Cornerstone, Leonore confirmed 100%. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, I feel like the world <laughs> needs Five Iron in this moment for the reason that you're naming. Like, yeah, we want to hear from all of our favorite artists who wrestle with this stuff right now. But what I think what you're naming specific about the band that we love is like what we need to hear more of i mean like we're all angry and it feels good to channel that anger in different ways but i would also love 
to hear what you guys have to say in this moment about how to be introspective, about how to be angry, yeah. about how mm-hmm. our faith or approach to life impacts that. So anyway, I just feel like you naming that made me more excited about the possibility of it happening at some point. Well, and yeah. also in this moment, in this um, quarantine, you know, as far as this pandemic that's even getting me thinking about writing a song about this. Like, mm. how do I even go about writing a song about why would I want to hoard and look after my own little nuclear family when I'm part yeah. of a bigger, beautiful society? And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm asking for bad religion inspiration. Like, <laughs> how do I broach such a big subject that I know it, it, that will be an anthem? And I, I yeah. it's dying to come out of me. It's just, it's a lot of pressure, to be honest. It's a lot of pressure to be like, you know, I know I want to say this and I know I feel it. Can I do it? Can I, can I do justice to this theme? Yeah, that, totally. That wrestles with me too. And it can almost be a little paralyzing where I sit down with pen and paper and, you know, voice memo. And I'm like, in some ways, that's why when Scott and me and Andy did a, the fast feeling, yeah, that's why it was cathartic because you didn't, no one knew who we were. So you didn't feel all this pressure lyrically. It was like, Oh, that sounds good. That's what we want to say. Let's say right. it. Oh, maybe 10 people will hear it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, I hope that you have another moment in the middle of the night where you write something on a piece of trash and wake up and you have that song ready because I'm like, I want to hear that song. <laughs> okay, I'll work on it for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm super, um, super psyched about that. That I mean, it, but it's also not a, a far cry from a lot of the lyrics on previous albums yeah. calling out consumerism and capitalism and just the the me, me, me uh, way of approaching life and the the selfishness of 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 our system that we're seeing fail millions of people right now and and it's just it's heartbreaking to watch at a distance did you guys notice because i didn't listen to all your podcasts but one thing that was fascinating to me was well you haven't gotten there you haven't gotten to the new one have you no not yet not yet one of the things to me that is the most fascinating is that when we wrote Zen and the Art of Xenophobia, when Reese wrote that and when we did that video, was pre-2016. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. And, yeah. and it blows my mind, the, the prophecy. I, 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 honestly, yeah. I watched that video and I'm like, how did he have, I mean, maybe because he lives in the South, how did he have his finger on the pulse of what was we, going to happen? We talk about the prescience of yeah. a lot of the Five Iron songs and a lot of Reese's lyrics that we're just like, it's a amazing. A little bit above the time before the time. <laughs> no, for real, for real. It's it's a, uh, it's 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 freaky, uh, but <laughs> like it's, <laughs> yeah. That that um, but that's but those are the those are the kinds of songs, the speaking truth to power and just not giving a shit about like yeah. So I don't care. Whatever we're gonna do the. Zen and the art of xenophobia, or, and and we're gonna do God hates flags, and we're just going to call it call a spade a spade, essentially, and call people douchebags. You know, it's like just tell it tell it like it is in a way that's like sticking up for uh, the oppressed. I mean, that's that's what we need more of. And you know, there's a place for finger pointing albums. You know, Suicide Machines just dropped a uh, so an album that's just like they are they ran out of fucks to give and they're, they're so they and, and there's a place for that you know those bands that are just like we're pissed and so we're gonna tell you about it and if you're not lit you we're gonna 
scream it and you better hear it and we need to do something about it. But there's the, a blend of like introspection and identifying the root causes of, of injustice. Without that, I think without the looking inward, because um, I had the opportunity to, per, I, I produced one album in my life and it's a band called Jump Ship Quick. And there were these guys, um, I mean, they're the most beefy Christian guys, like muscles, right? Yeah. And out of the blue, they asked me, and I'd never produced an album in my life. And there's these like masculine conservative Christian guys, some from mm. Canada, some from Denver. And they're like, well, Jeff, would you produce our album? And I'm like, that is the most random thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, of course, right? Cool. Fly me to Canada. So I did some of it here, and then they flew me to Canada, and I did some of it there. But they let me look at the lyrics. And they sent me 36 songs. Wow. Uh, we hate Hollywood. We hate abortion. We hate this. We hate that. We hate this. We hate this. And I was like, first of all, it's going down to 16 songs or so. So these ones I'm not even dealing with. These ones, I was like, I think I really felt that my job was to help them find the inner finger pointer, you know? Mm, right. And every time I do it, they'd be like, they were confused by it because they would say, this is how they saw it. They'd say, yeah, but that part's getting a little feminine. Mm. Well, it's not feminine. No, it's not. You think it's weak. Mm. So you're thinking of it as self-aware and weak and apologetic as being feminine. But in the end, I got my way. Mm. And they did it. And they even let me write full lyrics on some of the songs. And it, the album is a good balance now. Like I tell them, I'm uh. proud of that because you guys did it. You and me together, even though there were hard conversations as Christians, you know, you yeah. recognized, and partially from being Five Iron fans and learning that process from the humility of Reese and other people like no one's going to listen to this. If you sound like jerks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's just me head stuff that it's a good album. It's got good stuff to say, but your message will be so much more palatable. If in the, just do it to the bridge, man, just say, but I also suck, right? Something. <laughs> so anyway, right. I, maybe I'll send you the link or something, but it's one of those interesting things where I, in the future, my only fear for five iron is that we would lose sight of our own, humility and neediness mm. of, of each other. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I also briefly want to say, I don't want to have you mention the fast feeling and blow by that because <laughs> we're big fans of that band too. What, what's the status there? Anything to report about? Uh, no, that was it. That was all. Okay. It was um, we <sighs> really wanted to make an album. I wanted to sing the way that came about was Scott cannot stop writing good songs. Mm, yeah. <laughs> He can't. And he has, at any given moment, he has, you know, more good songs. And so he had sent tons of songs um, out and had gotten the response, rad and not rad. <laughs> I won't say from who. And so we took all the not rads and I started sending him voice memos. And he's like, you can actually sing okay on these. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I, can do, <laughs> I, just, I can do melodies. It's just that I only get like every, every you know, 20th song. So it was fun. And, and then Andy actually took a big interest in lyric writing. So a lot of those mm. lyrics, which is interesting, the juxtaposition of my tiny voice and uh, his mighty lyrics uh-huh. was really interesting. And, and then you add Matt from 117, Matt Langston, and it was just a great fun project. That's, yeah. I love it. It's just, just fun. Some bangers on there. Some yeah. bangers for sure. Yeah. I think yeah. the world needs more. The world needs more Leonore vocals out there. So. All I really want to do, if I have my way, I do want to dance party some night. Some night Ooh. I go to a bar and do a fast feeling dance party. Yes. Costumes with a real good sound system. Like, <laughs> yes. That's we it. 
are booking our tickets presently. Yep. <laughs> um, I did this uh, Robin quarantine dance party on Instagram the other night. <laughs> and it's like these DJs who, this is like a thing that they do. They organize these online things. And this was like all Robin themed. And it was such a fun yeah. time. And so I'm saying the fast feeling online dance party should happen during the quarantine. Okay, maybe so. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. So you talked about a little bit about Bad Religion being your favorite band. And so on Facebook recently, there's this thing with people talking about influential albums, some of their favorite albums. And they, and the whole thing is you just post the cover, I no know, context. I hate it. I hate it. I, hate it. <laughs> I, hate I, don't, it, I, I just want to say so much. I know. Yeah. I know. Right. So here's your opportunity because oh. um, I, you posted um, Against the Grain. Against the Grain by Bad Religion. You posted Brain Dogs by Tom Waits, Oof. which is yeah. one of my yeah. favorite albums of you all. Let me sing it, dude. I can sing it so good. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you, well, please, yes. Uh, I, I love the album. I love Tom Waits so much, and I love Bad Religion so much. And I wanted to hear, um, I wanted to hear some of your, your you know, musical early musical tastes like because like uh when did you first hear uh bad religion or tom waits or what were you listening to when like you know we were listening to you when we were 13 so like what were you listening to when you were 13 was, was it these confused, bands i was on a confused trajectory because one thing that i think also people take for granted and i also never know how to say this but i didn't grow up around white people and i don't mean to sound it sounds weird, but like my whole life, like I have both of my parents are Mexican American first generation mm -hmm. and all my, my dad is one of seven. My mom is one of five and all their siblings married Mexican Americans and all, you know, and so all my, I have like 50 cousins that are all Mexican. And mm -hmm. I just, I grew up with Motown from my dad in the music room and Tejano music, mm -hmm. um, Selena, um, mm -hmm. sure. Just, just different Mexican music. Sunny and the Sunliners, Tierra. If you look, there's Tierra as a band. It's kind of like um, lowrider music, like gangster okay. Mexican lowrider music. Was that the one of the albums that you posted? Yeah, City Lights. Yeah. It's like all these Mexican guys in LA. Listen yeah. to it because the horns are off the hook. Mm. Cool. Right? So anyway, so I grew up with that stuff. Um, so this is going to sound, again, no no Beatles, no Beach Boys. I didn't grow up mm. with that stuff. I didn't grow right. up with like, you know, um, certainly no Christian music. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a whole other can of worms. Um, yeah. Uh, so no, no Christian music. And in fact, I was never censored as a child. Like if I wanted two life crew in fourth grade, I got two life crew in fourth grade. And my mom sure. said, well, you listen to what you listen to because you're a good kid. <laughs> uh, totally fair. <laughs> right. right. And so, yeah, so I was, my trajectory was supposed to be rap, you guys. And I tried. I really tried. Oh, I can rap all of colors, right? I, see, I know everywhere. Yes. I grew up with New Edition, uh, Boys to Men, Troop, um, even like Too Short, some of the nasty stuff. Oh, oh man. Yeah. That was, yes. I can raps. I can do the Ed Lover. I can do the Flava Flav. I was not, I was young TV raps. I was not um, Headbangers Ball. Sure. And then I got my first crush. And I was in ninth grade and he was in 10th grade and his name was Pete Hernandez and he was a Mexican drummer. So I only dated Mexican guys too, ever. And so I could jump the fence. He lived behind me and go watch Headbangers Ball. 
<laughs> now my world opened, right? Ricky Rackman, suddenly the score. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, these guys dressed like women were hot, like yeah. really hot. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, like Motley Crue, this was just testament, you know, uh -huh. like, all this stuff, just double bass pedal was killing me, right? <laughs> and from there, you went a little weird because then here comes the 90s. Um, I remember the first time on my headphones hearing Nirvana. Mm -hmm. And just something like Nirvana and Hole and the, the um, single soundtrack, if you remember the single, oh, yeah. single Totally. Um, jam, some of that stuff, grunge, right? Smashing pumpkins. And one day I was wearing a Primus shirt. And here, I'm getting there. I'm sorry, I'm not to the punk out. <laughs> this is great. Right around the corner. I'm wearing a Primus shirt. I look like I do now. Long hair, uh, you know, some jeans. Maybe I had some combat boots on. And they said Primus. They had Primus painted on them. Nice. Um, walking around the corner at Denny's in Greeley, Colorado. I was about 16. And this dude with a mohawk says, what do you think about flag burning? And I stop and I sit down. And within two months, I have a green mohawk. I'm at my first Bad Religion show with, with Kerplunk. Uh, what well, was Green Day? They had yeah. released Kerplunk yeah. and Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I had Cherry Red Docks. <laughs> I listened to No Effects, Offspring, all this stuff. And I had been full on indoctrinated by White Trash, Two Heaps, and a Bean. And I loved it. <laughs> yes. I loved it. Uh, yeah. I was drenched with with the ideology was already there yeah it was just waiting to meet my i was waiting to meet the music that i already had the background for for if that makes sense but see this is this was the punk rock denny's and this is when we were all really poor and bobbed around writing poetry all night long and smoking cloves and, um, <laughs> nice. playing, playing magic and D, you know yeah and um i was one of those girls and i just i was i knew he knew i was right i was i was ready for punk because of my primus shirt but i wasn't I didn't know it yet. And, and so, mm. yeah, and what's interesting is he was a Christian. And so not only did he take me into this punk rock world, but he was like, Jesus is the ultimate F you, right? Like you, you think it's all about you and he's saying it's all about someone else. And so that even like, then I started meeting all these people, right? Like, yeah. And then, then I learned about the first Christian bands I ever learned about was mortal. Did you ever hear about yeah. that? One? Yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about them, haven't we? Maybe we did. It was like industrial. It was like a front two, four, two kind of, uh, uh, industrial band but anyway like yeah i started learning about all of that stuff hmm. i know it's a long but but okay so let me say something about bad religion yes please do what i like about bad religion when i was in high school they had a um we didn't have google right so mm -hmm. they had this dictionary that was probably like hundreds and hundreds of dollars and i stole it and i stole it so i could understand delirium of disorder because i don't <laughs> understand you know uh, these words and i need this to know <laughs> anyway um it helped me inform what i believed by by giving language to what i did not believe okay until you're you're presented with an argument you don't know what you believe until it's like oh i don't believe that so what do i believe right i want to counter that but i don't yet have the language but like songs like entropy why is the world fallen why do the dishes always need done what is it about this screwed up world that never that goes from perfection to chaos from life to death what is yeah. it even about my own spirit that does that and so certain things that they say like that gives me language to my belief system and it and is very helpful for helping me inform and it it really is it's it's a it's a kick in the pants to go deep with bad religion right with any person yeah but what about what about tom waits 
god. Well, rain dogs. Dennis was driving the school bus, and it was late at night. And I think we we're going through the salt flats. And you know, we sailed tonight for Singapore. And, I was <laughs> and I'm like, we're on the freaking moon. I'm like the only one awake. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. And just. Just the sounds and the and the creativity yeah. and the place you go in your mind when you're there. That's yeah. my music, to be honest. Not no one's heard this. You know how girls sometimes have a music that they get ready to. Okay, sure. And you're getting ready. That means you're going to shave your legs. You're going to do makeup. You're going to get ready. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can be like you might need two glasses of wine to get ready. <laughs> That's something good going on. Tom Waits' Rain Dogs is my get ready music. Yeah. Like yes. That. That's get ready. <laughs> We're going out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you're gonna clap hands. I am. <laughs> we, uh... Who says? And my my daughter, she's twelve, and she loves it. She's like, you know, independent on a hog on ice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Chinese. Oh man, that rules. My uh, my kids compare him to Cookie Monster, but that's fine. Um, yeah, we talk a lot about how he. I mean, for me at least, he's like my number one. If he ever plays a show again, I will travel there to see him. I have, yeah, I haven't I have either. He hasn't Tom, played in forever. I have a Tom Waits Google alert. <laughs> Just <laughs> yes, like I, I, I get, I'll get it. Like I, I have Tom Waits concert as a Google alert. Just <laughs> Thank so, you for that. so, so I get an email anytime. It's like most right. of the time, it's like this person who's played with Tom Waits right, or right. like who is inspired. And I'm like, Ugh, get yeah, out of here. Yeah. I don't the other care. One, the other one though that I posted the other day was Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Oh, cool. Like, for Five Iron, you can probably hear some of the influence, but only, I mean, not only just musically, but lyrically too. They're deep. And he, Danny Elfman, you know, he goes off and we'll talk about societal issues in a mm-hmm. funny, laughy, giggly way. But he's like, you know, only a lad and some of these songs that, you know, yeah. Dennis made me a mixtape of that and I was hooked. He's like, you got to hear this. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, we, we talked about what bands might've influenced the song giants. And I feel like Oingo Bango was maybe in the mix there somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, I, don't, I don't know what influenced everything, but <laughs> I, I mean, we have some songs that we would definitely be like, no effects influence, or we listen to a lot of Weezer. So, you know, the hmm. song that goes, uh, workers are going home. Yeah. 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 So we lived in a school bus for many years, Five Iron. I, maybe you knew that. We had bought a school bus for Warp Tour because essentially you needed a tour bus to keep up with the, with the schedule, right? Like mm. You can't get a hotel all the time. So we had a school bus we were living in. And right when you hit the state line, no matter what direction, the guys get out of the car and they pee from call, standing in Colorado to the other state. <laughs> and I just wait in the car, you know? But then as we're driving, when you can see Denver, we, we sing workers are going home, like with our whole heart. You know? Right. That's awesome. Oh, man. These are the traditions. <laughs> Talking about influences and bands that uh, were a big deal. Um, I was curious when you did uh, the Pick It Up documentary, yeah. which if people haven't seen it yet get your life together stop listening go to amazon right now that rent it time. you've got the time <laughs> you've got the time like if you yeah it's it's so great i've watched it like three times and i've shared it with some friends who are like did it grow up in the ska scene or at all and they are now legitimately like after watching it, they're like, okay, let's, let's, what was that band? Let's listen. And then we started listening and looking up YouTube videos. And like, now some of them are listening to like, like two tone stuff and like not, not even like third, like third wave stuff, but like going back to, you know, the specials and, you know, madness and, and that, but 
um, I was curious if, if in the course of doing this documentary, if you had a chance to meet people that were like kind of a, a big deal to you or that, or in the ska scene that you hadn't met before, um, before the, the documentary. Not really, because what's weird about me is that I didn't know ska really. Like I, I'd seen Skink and Pickle when I was 15 and I mm. really liked them. And so I met Mike Park kind of early on and okay. uh, I thought he was really cool, but I didn't know a lot of ska bands until Five Iron was playing shows. So essentially my first time meeting people was playing with them. Like first oh, time, wow. Thinker, we opened for them. Cherry Pop and Daddies, we opened for them. Pie Tasters, we opened for them. So any of those bands, we were the it band in Denver because kind of like what the piece that MU330 said was for them, they were in St. Louis. Right. So no matter what touring band was coming through, they got to open up. So that was Five Iron in Denver. Okay. So if it was a big uh, band, yeah. less than Jake would come through, whoever, it was just like get an opener, that was us. Um, so that's how I met all those people. But the funny thing was, when I got asked to be a producer, I didn't know what producer means. I have no idea. But I say, you're kind of getting the theme of me as I say yes to things. And then I figure out what I said yes to. Yeah. <laughs> kind of always the case. So they're like, will you be a producer? I was like, yes. What does that mean? Like, well, essentially, Taylor's like, I have this idea. I have a budget. I have, you know, a good camera. I have, you know, I know how to make a movie. You need to convince people that it's real, that it's legit. Because you yeah. know them from back in the day. So the weird part was going to back to the beach and seeing people that I hadn't seen in like 20 years yeah. and them going, Jeff, and me going, Dave, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, oh, that's you. It's been a while. You have gray hair. <laughs> to see me more feminine and not like in an extra large Vision Streetwear shirt. You know, like, oh, it's a woman, like a mom. <laughs> It was cool. And I'd be like, well, come to a weird Airbnb with me. We're really legitimately going to film you. <laughs> you know? right, right. So it was cool. Cause I got to basically tell, you know, lesson Jake, like this is real. I'll go pick you up. Let's do it. Uh, big D, you know, let's do this. Uh, mustard plug, a bunch of guys, just different bands. And it was like amazing to be like, I haven't seen you. How are you? Let's do this movie. Yeah. Mm. Were there, um, I seem to correct me if I'm wrong, but were there some bands that were like, no, nah, we're not going to be a part of it until they saw the roster of other people that were already on board. It wasn't that they said no. It was that we literally did not know how to get a hold of them. So okay. One of the biggest things at the end was we were getting really close and we were like, nobody we physically knew had a connection to Mighty Mighty Boston's. Hmm. No one did. And so we're like, how do we, oh, we, I, and I guess after Lesson Jake started, you know, tweeting about it, talking about it, then it was like, oh, this is a big deal. Now maybe somebody who's somebody who's somebody will open that email, right? Yeah. Well, there were certain bands that it was just like, I don't know how to get a hold of these guys. You know, it'd be cool if I did, but I just don't. And so you don't have Dickie's phone number. Just be like, what up, Dickie Bucket, B? I know. I know Bucket from the Toasters. There's a bunch of bands we used to. Well, Scoggins Racism. We toured with a lot of people. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other part for me, good or bad, but like being a female, people would remember me. Sure. Like in, in, you know, Scoggins Racism, I was the only female out of 36 musicians. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. So on tour yeah. for the months. So you, they would remember me as opposed to like, you know, someone else in a different band, not saying that they wouldn't remember their friends, but I'm just saying it, it kind of is like, oh yeah, I remember you. Yeah. Less women in the scene for sure. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I don't have any more pick it up questions, but we are going to do a special pick it up episode of the pod at some point. So. Oh, cool. We'll circle well, back there. If there's people we want to try to get on. Yeah, cool. And I'll Thanks. tell them you're a real deal and a real thing. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs>
Um, yeah, we're we're coming up on a uh, we're coming up on two years as a podcast in yeah. in just a couple months. Yeah, that's true. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Do you know where you were or what what your reaction was when you heard we were getting back together? Hmm. Were you listening in? Were you one of those people that donated in the beginning to the Kickstarter? Unfortunately, not. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this John and I have. Uh, have similar similar stories that uh our um i think we just like i i was with the band through boogaloo that was the the album i I still i I still i mean i still have the you know the the cd booklet from you know that from when i bought the cd back in the day and and i think i uh my ska and and my following of uh of a variety of bands just sort of like in the mid 2000s just started kind of Mm -hmm. falling and it's not that i like stopped listening to you know the bands it's just that i don't i don't i think once i entered college i was like i need to like broaden my horizons and like you you know music Yes, of course I did. So did I. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I need to, I started, you know, listening to, you know, Iron and Wine and uh, Death Cab for Cutie and, Bright you know, eyes. Yeah. Bright Eyes for sure. Like, yeah. and so I was just like, I, I felt like that in, you know, Cigarose, like these were all albums in, in my college yeah. years. Yeah. But there, there were, what's that? Sufjan Stevens. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Of course. Um, you know, Michigan, you know, and, and, uh, and, and Arcade Fire too. So, but all these bands were like, I, I, I started listening and I just dove deep into those. And I think a lot of the music of my youth kind of was still there. And, uh, and I, th- it then I, when I would revisit it years later, I would like put on Hello Rock View and I'd be like, oh, this album still slaps. Why have I not been listening to this? for the last number of years and the same, and that was sort of the case with, um, with five iron. Like I, I was like, Oh man. And, and as I got older and I revisited the records, they spoke to me in different ways. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and so, yeah, but it was, I sadly missed out on like some of that, that early Kickstarter stuff. And, um, yeah, it was that was that was a a, a bummer <laughs> that I did that, uh, but uh, I can't wait to cover to cover that record because I love it. I mean, like as far as like I think a lot of your records sound great, but this record sounds great. It <laughs> sounds like it just the the beginning, the opening swell. Uh, of like the guitar of the guitars and just sort of like the reverby sort of like you're just like it's 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 ethereal it's beautiful i love it um but we're not talking that album right now but we'll get there save it yes i'll save i'll save my hot takes but um yeah i i mean i had a similar experience i think for you know so we i was with five iron to the end went to the last show and everything and then when you guys reunited. I remember being really excited about Scott joining the band again. And then I did see you on that first tour. I saw you at the Riviera in Chicago, which I guess that was like 2012, but it was so exciting to see you guys in a big theater. That's probably my favorite venue in Chicago. 
mm-hmm. sounded great. You guys sounded great. And then I saw you again when you came to, I think it was like Reggie's, which is like the smaller. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've definitely been like a part of it the whole time, but really a couple of years ago when Andrew had the idea to go through MXPX albums was like a whole re-entry deep into the scene for both of us, I think. Yeah. So even though I was paying attention, like I wasn't paying attention close enough to seeing like Kickstarter things. And now we're like very in that world. So it's really been yeah. cool to like go back and be reinvested in a scene that I, that like shaped us a lot in a lot of ways again. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we've sort of going through this, um, have done a lot of critique of the scene, but also sort of, and I think as I think maybe it was Saki that mentioned that like, there is no scene anymore. There's no, Oh, good. <laughs> no, but I'm not talking about the, 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 I'm talking about like five iron scene. I'm talking about like oh. the Christian music, like subculture, like the nineties, uh, you know, alternative, um, you know, sort of like Christian bookstore, like, you know, everybody was like connected to, it just, it just, it exists. It just doesn't, it doesn't exist in the same way that it, that it used to back in the day. And, um, and I don't, I, it's, it's weird to kind of look back and have these kind of like mixed feelings about like some of these um, artists and bands that we listen to some, maybe more problematic now than, than, than we remember. But like, uh, you know, I, I, I've really have enjoyed investing (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of hours going through uh, these albums and talking about, uh, talking about these, the lyrics and, and this season, especially talking about five iron has, breathed life into me in a different way um, than previous seasons, the previous season, not, not to, you know, you know, disparage the, our first season, yeah. but like th- there, there's it's a lot to chew on with five iron lyrics. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of where there's a lot of there, there. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the, the authenticity and the, and the wrestling and, uh, it it's it's where i mean that's kind of where i i always am i'm always kind of you know wanting to uh, ask the question ask more questions than i have answers and and that's and i i think that's that's i come off of these of our recording these episodes always feeling a little bit like you know high off high off the experience because there's 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 a lot to discuss and it's um but and there's and there's still more there's still more to to get into it's true yeah and i think that just talking about mxpx like we didn't mention them much but back in the day we didn't know them like i kind of knew them as people a little bit but not really like we never basically at festivals they'd be in their world we'd be in ours we weren't friends we weren't bands that were friends right getting to know them has been amazing has been really cool and really special and really fun and getting to put horns on their old songs like yeah this is gonna sound weird but like i knew those songs because those are the ones where you're talking about like the background of our youth right like right you know whether or not i want to say i knew punk rock show i knew punk rock show i knew (laughs) a word right sure Uh, and and 
or just we, we didn't put our horns on that song but like Bremerton put our horns on I'm okay you're okay and to have that now when I listen to our horns with that I feel so proud and so touched that yeah. we're part of it I'm like this is so good it's beautiful <laughs> I love it it's so cool how did you how did you get into it seems like anytime there's a you know it just seems like you guys have been uh, doing shows together how did that initially start i don't know i don't know i i do well i don't know i guess i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what i what i do know is that eventually we hired their booking guy uh tom chichilla which is over easy we hired him um to be our booking guy because it was hard. It's hard to find a scene. And we basically said, look, we don't want to play churches. We're not set up right. for that. We don't want to play big arenas. We're not set up for that. But get us in a really legit, gorgeous bar where a person could have a few beers and bring their kids all ages. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, bring their dad to sit in the balcony. This is perfect. Like, yeah. that's the same kind of person who wants to go to that show is the same kind of person that wants to see MXPX and Five Iron have a great night, not get out of control, relive some memories. Um, and, and it was a really good, and, and honestly, they're no drama. Like they're, they're working with MXPX guys. They're easy going, mellow, very, your back room is our back room. If you need it to be your, you know, everybody's very kind, very sweet, very easy going. And so it just meshed really well. Yeah. That's cool. And now I'm sad because I remember we're in quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it will happen again. I got a message from Mike the other day. I was freaking out. And he's like, don't worry. It will happen again. I'm like, you are right. Thank you. Always a voice of reason. Yeah. I I eagerly await when it will, when any concert will happen, but especially that one. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I, you've been very generous with your time. You missed your howling at the moon. Is there, is there stuff that you, want to plug or want to talk about that you haven't yet? I mean, we talked about the pod a little bit. Is there anything that you want to, you know, spend some time talking about? No, I just want to thank all the people that are behind the scenes because right now um, there's a lot of attention going to the musicians that are doing their live FaceTiming, but you know, the sound engineers, the people Mm. that sell merch professionally, the people that, you know, are the caterers, the booking people. I mean, the industry is in turmoil. Yeah. And regardless of whether or not the government's going to help, we should be helping. We need to be yep. thinking about how to spend our dollars. And, and there's a lot of people that are just waiting in the sign line with beautiful amounts of talent and energy. And I guess I would say for this season, for all of us, um, what, what can this, I, I, I brought this up to one person because they were really feeling frustrated being at home. And I said, there was a time in 2000, well, it was right before we went on tour again, um, after we made the new album, Engines. And I didn't know all these songs, and I had to memorize So Far, which has a lot of horn parts, and I had to yeah. memorize, you know, all these new Fire Iron songs. And so I booked myself a silent retreat for a week at a Catholic hermitage in the middle of nowhere. Cool. And I went away on a silent retreat with books, vegetarian food, <laughs> uh, fi- uh, wood for a fire, um, in this tiny little cabin, and my saxophone, and no, you know, and no internet connection, anything like that. And I, I went away and I spiritually went away and I physically went away and I dove into my music and I dove into memorizing the songs and I ate when I wanted to eat and I slept when I wanted to sleep and I talked to the stars and me and God communed and it was amazing. And mm-hmm. I think that if we could wrap our brain around the season somewhat differently, we would recognize that we've been giving an amazing gift. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if it looked like a gift, I paid 
to get away and have that space and time. Right. What, what could it look like to recognize that, you know, and not for everybody, I'm not saying that we're not all screwed financially because we all are, <laughs> but um, regardless, what, what could it look like for our souls to just step away from the day to day and just be like, this is kind of a gift. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I want to end with. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yeah. We, and you know, shout out to um, a small print shop and yeah. you know, we, yeah, we earlier um, in the show, we talked about um, supporting local artists and needing to make sure that um, these, these people that really depend on, on this income to try and, and try and seek out and support those people in the, in the ways that you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smallprintshop.com. Yeah, <laughs> Woo. Yeah, check it out. It's really cool. All right, you guys take care. It's been awesome to talk with you. And thank I you, Leonard. Someday when I have even more time listening to all of these hundreds <laughs> of hours in the MXPX M5 Iron catalog. Oh, please I mean, don't. You know, please, yeah, please no pressure. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. Take thank care. Thank you, Leonard. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, thank you very much to Leonora Ortega-Till. That was a great conversation. She's the best. Um, go buy other bands' albums of hers. I don't know. Support her and her work. He, heed her call to how we should behave in this time. Um, anyway, if you have things to say about this conversation, you can weigh in at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't yet already. Give us that rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) You can also email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727-MAGPOD. You can support us at patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. Pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. And thank you to Leonard. Thanks to our shadow producer, Jason at Original Vinyl. And thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios and Danny Leary for our artwork. Well, time is winding down. But only for this episode, we want you to be found enjoying the next episode. We know fucking what it. Saint Paul, Teddy Ham, no less shotgun. It's got blue water, spears, crispy as fuck. Grab a thirty pack, Roy, fifteen bucks. Call that duck to kick you right in the neck. This is a goddamn classic. Show some fucking respect. Maybe quarantine, but I got hammies with me. Just zoom with the girl, now she pulling me. Bitch, Lindsay, Trump, Betsy, they all suck. You can't buy my book for a measly twelve hundred bucks. So many things I love together. <laughs>